I've got a great guest and an amazing photograph for you. And today, we're going to talk about gesture in photography on Behind the Shot. Hi, welcome to Behind the Shot. I'm Steve Brazel. Nice of you to join us today. I've got a great guest lined up, a fantastic photo lined up for you. And I do want to remind you that the show notes for today and any links that we discuss, they are in the blog post at BehindTheShot.tv. Or if you're on YouTube, all the same links and most of the same description are down below the like and subscribe button so you can head down there and find what you need. And I want to get right into today's guest because this was an interesting story on how this person is even here and ended up on the show. I'd like to welcome Cheryl Moore to Behind the Shot. How are you, Cheryl? Good. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. Oh, believe me, it's my pleasure. And I say that it was an unusual way that you ended up on the show. Let's let's start here. You're a Colorado-based photographer specializing, let me know if I leave anything out here, but wildlife, nature, and portraits, correct? Correct. That's correct. Okay. So I want to tell the story of how we met. There's a guy that sent me an email just a week before we're recording this, Michael Rhino. Uh, Michael Rhino is the president of the Professional Photographers of Colorado, which is a state affiliate of Professional Photographers of America. And I'm very familiar with these here in California. We have PPA, Professional photo or PPC, Professional Photographers of California. And then we have local affiliates as well, which I'm involved with here too. So Michael sends me an email saying, uh, you know, look, I've got this photographer that I know. I'm the president of the Professional Photographers of Colorado. And this young lady by the name of Cheryl Moore is amazing. And this picture has all these accolades. And it was a fairly long email. And I'm going to be honest, I saw the email and I thought, okay, one of two things is happening. Either he's a PR person because it was written so kind and nice. I thought this guy's her PR person or he's just a friend trying to help. And I'm not sure which, but I kind of need to know before I go any farther. So I sent an email back to Michael saying, look, dude, this was one of the nicest emails I've ever seen. In fact, it's so kind. It reminds me of the emails I get on a regular basis that are PR people pitching their client. And I, I'm not saying that's a deal breaker. I just kind of want to know ahead of time for integrity purposes, what is, what is your reason for doing this? And it ends out Michael's just a really nice guy, right? Michael he sure is. <laughs> knows you, knows your work, and is like, as, a, as the president of this photo group, I want to bring attention to my members. And Cheryl is a perfect member to bring attention to. So I have to ask you, did you know he sent that email? Well, you know, a few months ago, he had uh, talked to me about your podcast, and I did start watching it. And I'll be honest with you, when he first mentioned it to me, he's like, hey, what do you think about me reaching out and maybe getting you on a podcast? And I'm like, Ooh, I don't think so. <laughs> that was my initial response. So um, then I worked through that and he he mentioned it a couple more times. And um, actually, I'm super honored that he even thought of me in this capacity. And um, he's really trying to promote the members of uh, PPC in Colorado here. And, um, we're also both members of the Cara Springs Guild. Um, so another affiliate of PPA. So yeah, that's how it came about. I see. I think it's fascinating because as somebody who's been involved at the local level in these, these chapters of professional photographers, California, which is under PPA, 
it's so wonderful, and I think it's something that needs to happen more, that those people that are in these elected positions in these photo groups, really, instead of just trying to promote the group or do group outings or promote the education within the, in the group, which is a phenomenal thing, bring attention to some of the members that really deserve attention. And him doing that, I just have to say thank you to Michael for reaching out because it's one of the reasons I love doing this show. I found a photographer whose work I really admire because of Michael's email. So I think that's wonderful. You, you're an active PPA member, Professional Photographers of, of America. And in fact, you're I don't know if you've got it or you're pursuing it based on what I read about you, the Master of Photography and Master Arts degrees from PPA. You're working pursuing on them now? both of them. Yeah, I'm so, pursuing both of them. I, I want to ask then, for people who don't know Professional Photographers of America, and a number of the listeners and viewers are from out of the States, actually, mm-hmm. what, what do the degrees from a PPA mean to you? Hard work, (laughs) a lot of hard work in the field. Um, I'll be honest, when I started competing in PPA print competitions, um, I struggled with it, just uh, trying to figure out what the judges were looking for. Um, So I'll be starting my fourth year into my master degree venture, but I'm one merit short. So I'm hoping in 2023, I'll be getting my master's of photography and with any luck at all, my artist at the same time. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned something interesting to me. So I do uh, a monthly image critique show on, on here on Behind the Shot. It's, it's not the normal podcast. It's only on YouTube. I do it with my friend Don Komarechka, world-renowned macro photographer, and we always mm-hmm. have a, a guest person on doing it as well. And I explain to people part of my background is judging image competitions uh, You know, here in California area. And... What I tell people that do image competitions is you put an image in front of me, it's entirely possible I can say to you it's an amazing image while at the same time, that is not a good image for an image competition. Because what you just said of I was trying to figure out what the judges wanted, which is interesting wording, I think it's an important thing for people to understand when you submit an image to a competition, It isn't just pick your favorite image. There are specific 12 points that these images are being judged on. It's a merit system. Uh, Very interesting thing, but you you are doing well in competitions. PPA 2022 Diamond Artist of the Year. Mm -hmm. 2022 PPA Gold Medal in the Photography Open. Professionals Photographers of Colorado 2022 General Photographer of the Year. And related (laughs) to this shot... There's two other ones, or at least one other one, and that is the the Team USA thing, the World Photographic Cup. I'm going to mm-hmm. save that. We'll get into okay. that one when we get into the shot. Okay. But I want to ask you questions about your work, because one of the things I like to do is go through people's portfolios. I, I will sit on a portfolio some days and lose an hour or two hours easily. Mm-hmm. There's a common thread that I see in your work. And and it's the word I used at the beginning of the show. Rick Salmon has mentioned it numerous times to me. It's probably the first time I ever heard the word was from Rick. He's a friend of mine. Jay Maisel has an entire book. And this term is in the title, Light, Gesture, and Color. Read it. There's a video <laughs> I saw of Jay Maisel 
where he actually talked about the word gesture specifically. It was a street photo. And he said that wall back there behind them, that wall has gesture. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. So the common thread I see in your work is gesture. Does that make sense to you from your side of the camera? Absolutely. Always looking for gesture. And probably what he was talking about in the wall was the light, because light can certainly be gesture, um, whether it's an animal or people. Um, getting that good lighting uh, is always key. Uh, gesture can also be like in the, the famous crane shot that you haven't shown yet. Um, there's numerous uh, gestures in that one image. Um, the little bears behind me here, the mom just happened to look over for a split second at her cubs. And, um, that was just the perfect timing and showed that emotional gesture. So the bear shot, by the way, <laughs> freaking amazing. Okay. When I saw that shot gestures, the first thing that came to my mind. Now, for those of you that have not heard the term gesture before. The best explanation I, I found was written on a blog post. Again, I think related to Jay Maisel, it might've been a quote, I'm not sure, but it's something that separates great photographs from boring photographs. Everything can have gesture, again, even a wall. So mm -hmm. how do you look at, basically gesture is a connection between the subject matter and the photograph and the audience. Let's word it that way. Okay. So how do you, how do you look at, the connection that your subjects have with the viewer, the action, the moment, the attitude, the emotion, the stare, how, how do you find that? Hmm. Well, you, I just look for specific things that an animal is doing. And sometimes that might take an hour of waiting. It might take longer than an hour. Um, uh, in the instance of the bear, it literally was a split second where it looks like she's looking over her cubs and she probably was making sure they were both there. But that shows me as the viewer, that emotion attached to that image. Which, okay. Which then brings me to this, that, cause again, that bear shot, it's got the gesture. It's got that, I don't know how to word it even. It's such an abstract <laughs> term in some ways. Like I can put words yeah. to it. And they tend to be the same every time and they still don't describe it to somebody who doesn't understand conceptually what it is. But mm -hmm. it has that that connection and draws the viewer in. Mm -hmm. And I would argue in your particular case, you have an eye for the moment in wildlife photography. So what is the key to capturing the moment? Waiting until you see the moment. Um... Would, would you would, would you then suggest that's the, I'm going to word it differently. What is the hardest part then of wildlife photography and nature photography? Is it the weight or is it the technical uh, side? It is or? waiting. It's a lot of waiting. And I don't have a lot of patience, but um, I've learned throughout my photography that um, waiting is what matters. I mean, I have so many pictures of a bald eagle sitting on a branch, but really there's nothing special about that. Right. So I wait and wait and wait until they take that launch. And, you know, then there's the gesture of movement, the gesture of 
where is that eagle going? The gesture of, you know, just the entire launch. Um, and, and I should say, just, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's just what you wait for. Um, yeah. Okay. So I got to say, because I mentioned at the beginning, you also do portraits. You have a portrait studio. You do mm -hmm. high school senior portraits, which arguably are wildlife in and of themselves. But <laughs> but your comment about the eagle shot is interesting to me because to the person – I try and say this on the critique shows. To the person that you know comes back and is like, oh, my God, I got an eagle shot, right? The viewer wasn't there. They didn't know it's your first eagle shot ever. They didn't know that you hiked out there at 10 degrees. They only know that it's a bird on a branch that's doing nothing. <laughs> right? Right. It It's such a strange kind of thing to explain to people that gesture and moment and light, as you alluded to earlier, are, mm -hmm. are so critical in an image. I, I'm. It, it's a strange mix to me. Wildlife and nature and high school seniors. Could you yeah. explain that? <laughs> Well, so I, I guess I started um, shooting friends probably, I don't know, about 2008 or nine, somewhere back there. Um, and then more and more friends were like, hey, take my kid's picture. And so I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can make some money, right? <laughs> so I enjoyed shooting single people. So like high school senior or even, you know, a tween. Um in the beginning, I shot everything and quickly found out uh, newborns was not my thing. <laughs> um, so, but even with high school seniors, you know, you want to get that natural expression out of them, right? And so that's a gesture. Um, you want to have the right light so that your editing process is less, right? So the flow of of um, doing my portrait business is less time. So you get the lighting right, you get the right expressions. Um, and so I did really enjoy doing that and I do still enjoy doing that. Um, but then my husband took me to Rocky Mountain National Park and I uh, shot some elk in the rut and had did not even have a wildlife lens then. I think I was using a 24 to 105. <laughs> um, still fun. So then I upgraded you know, my camera a little bit got a little bit longer of a lens and we went on an Alaskan cruise and then I really fell in love with it. <laughs> and I was, I was done at that point. So then I started saving all my extra money for, for a long lens and a, a little bit faster shutter button. <laughs> and yeah. And, and so what is it right now? If I, if I go to a scene of just you, what is that camera behind you right now? It's a 1DX Mark II. And what's and the lens? A, it's a 400-2.8. And wow. I love it for early morning crane photography. <laughs> it's a great lens. I've used that for live music. It's a wonderful lens. I use the Mark II, yeah. actually, version. It's a wonderful lens. So I love it. let's get into the shot. Before we do, I just want to remind everybody that, especially if you're watching this on YouTube, because YouTube is kind of a strange beast. People see this, and it doesn't really fit the YouTube thing. Uh, this is a podcast, first and foremost, and the podcast is available wherever you can get podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. It's available in an audio only feed or if your podcast outlet of choice 
supports video. It's available in video as well, like Apple Podcasts does support video. And by the way, wherever you get your podcasts, if you do like the show, please do leave a review. Same on YouTube. If you're on YouTube, head down, hit the like and subscribe, uh, leave a review, whatever it is, it would be very much appreciated. And before we bring up the shot, one other thing I want to do really quick. My friends over at DVE Store are responsible for me having high def video. So I want to thank them and say, Visit dvestore.com for all your digital video equipment needs. And one last thing is to keep in mind that I do have workshops. I do them with Princeton Photo Workshop. I've got one coming up in April of this month, uh, of this year. And if you're interested in that, head on over to princetonphotoworkshop.com, singular, princetonphotoworkshop.com. Find my class, and uh, hopefully I've got something up there that you'll like and, and that will benefit you. And that brings us to today's image. The image we're going to talk about, Cheryl, I don't know how to put into words to you that when Michael attached this photo to an email, it literally took my breath away. This thing is amazing. What do you call this? Dance of light. Okay. Dance of light. I, I think you made the comment earlier that there's gesture all over this, this image. Mm -hmm. Light is definitely one of the gestures in this image. So let's start with the technical and then get into the creative side. Okay. Based on EXIF data, this was a 1DX Mark II, correct? Mm -hmm. And was this that 402.8? It was. Do you know the exposure data on this? Uh, I shot it at 2.8, one two thousandth of a second. Um, I think my ISO was 320. Okay. And where, where was this, by the way? This was at uh, the Monta Vista Wildlife Refuge here in Colorado. I, I, I've got so many questions on the exposure itself. I'm going to wait to get into those. The 2.8 is intriguing to me. The 320 is intriguing to me. Uh, two thousandth of a second I completely get. And phenomenal <laughs> lens and body combination for this. But let's start here. For those of you on the audio feed, I'm going to describe this image. I have to stress this time. Like I do this every show, but this time I have to stress you. There is nothing that I can say to you that I can think of that will convey to you the, the energy, the motion, the detail, the color, the richness, the, the fine artness, if that's a thing, of this particular image. It is a very wide landscape orientation shot. It's not your normal 4-3. It's closer to a 16-9 almost type shot. Uh, it's the photo of a sandhill crane. The crane is centered in the frame. Like this is a perfect example of the, breaking the rule, you know, dead center is deadly because here dead center is symmetrical. The body is is right there. The head is slightly above center line. The wings are in full spread. Imagine taking your arms and spreading them all the way out with your fingers pointing up to the sky, it literally feels like hands on the end of the wings, the feathers sticking straight up to the sky. The head is ever so slightly turned camera left, birds right. And that's critical here, actually, because it's turned to where you can really see the bird's left eye, camera right eye, but not enough that you lose the other eye. You can actually see both eyes. Bottom third of the image is water, but the water blends seamlessly into the sky. The right foot of the bird, the bird's right, camera left, is in the water. 
The other foot pulled out of the water, causing a splash. And that sky behind the bird is clouds. There's some gaps here and there, but again, all blending with the same color of the bird, the water, and the sky. They all harmonize absolutely perfectly. Now, here's the thing that takes the image to just the next level. Like I would probably, I'd probably score this image a 95 in, in a competition, if not higher. This is, this is, this is one of the better shots I've ever seen. A wonderful golden light coming from camera left. The bird is completely lit up with side light. It's, it's almost directly side light. And yet it's not a harsh side light. Like the, the wing on opposite side of the camera, I'd almost say Cheryl pulled a reflector out. It's, <laughs> it's this beautiful soft light on the other wing. It's the weirdest thing. It's super warm camera left, but it's cool on camera right as far as color temperature is concerned. Did I miss anything? No, I think you hit it perfectly. So I've got to know the story of this image. Explain to me how one gets this. What are you thinking as you're shooting this and what do you do? Well, so we've been going to the wildlife refuge in Monta Vista for several years now. Um, and so over the years, we've figured out, you know, where the light comes up and where we want to be to shoot. Um, we know the cranes in the early morning are going to be in the water. So, um, we found this pond and we, we set up so that the side light is, um, the main light, obviously, um, sometimes it's cloudy, so we don't get any light, but on this particular day, the light did come up and hit this crane perfectly. Um, in the early morning, you know, they're all sleeping, uh, kind of all in just a big old clump, right? In the water. And they, um, one by one start waking up and I don't know if you ever heard sandhill cranes, but they're very vocal. Um, and so as soon as they start, um, singing their songs, they start fluttering about and eventually one by one take off. Or if you're lucky, they all take off at once, which, um, I've not gotten to see that very many times, but so what I'm looking for is, um, I'm trying to single out a bird, you know, because there's so many of them. Um, it's pretty hard to do. Um, of course, you know, when they're stomping around in the water, there's a, usually a thin coating of ice through the cold night. It was um, super cold, probably about six in the morning when this shot was taken. Um, so lots of patience again. Uh, but, you know, you just kind of see them when, when their wings come out. And I set my camera so that I don't jeopardize that one two thousandth of a second. Cause I know that's what I need to freeze those wings when they come up. And in the early morning, as you know, um, that only leaves two other settings to get the exposure, right? Uh, thank, thankfully I have the 2.8 lens. So, um, that gets me a pretty wide open shot. And then I increase my ISO as little as I can. Right. So can, so, can I interject here and ask a sure. question? You're saying two thousandths of, of a second to freeze this, which perfect. I mean, that will definitely freeze it. Could you not cat? Like I know people who shoot professional football at a thousandth of a second. These birds are moving in such a way that really the safe spot is you've got to be closer to two. 
Yeah, I've learned that over time with blurry photos. <laughs> so, you know, I might be a little conservative there on that one two thousandth, um, but I definitely would rather get the shot and deal with a little bit of noise in post than to not get the shot and go again next year. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So it, to me... I've never shot anything like this, right? And partially because you mentioned six in the morning, which immediately says to Steve, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, if it was six in the morning, it would be because I stayed up overnight, not because I got up early. <laughs> but but this image, again, this is, this is near perfection to me, if not perfection. PPA Image Excellence Award, the PPA GIA nomination for top 10 in wildlife. Uh, the WPC, which is the World Photographic Council, Council? Cup, uh, World Photographic Cup. Oh, Cup. Okay. Yep. Top ten in nature, and best in nations for Team USA. First place winner of the Pro Prince Labs Wildlife Contest. And I mentioned earlier that there was that other, you know, thing that's happening, and that is the World Photographic Cup, uh, particular part of this question. The finals, again, top 10 final in Best of Nations Team USA, the finals have not happened yet. That's May 2nd of this year in Rome, Italy. Are you going to go? We are not going to go, unfortunately. But we are going to maybe have a little watch party here. Um, it will be on a Monday morning at 8 o'clock, so I'm certain all my friends will come. <laughs> well, I wish you so much luck on this. I, I keep thinking about one exposure thing, though. With the two thousandth of a second, that's going to freeze the image. That leaves you aperture and ISO. You went two point eight and three twenty on the, on the ISO, and I don't think I could have shot this at two point eight, right? For those that are listening on the audio, I, I can't describe to you the detail, nose to tail, as it were, uh, in animal terms. Although it's a bird, but uh, you know, literally front to back, every part of the wing, there is no part of this that is soft at 2.8, 400 millimeters. How did you, I mean, in my head, having not shot this subject before, in my head, I would think I'd want to probably take the 320, bump that up to 640 maybe, and get myself at least F4. How, how do you maintain and capture this kind of detail at 2.8? Well, so there is post-processing involved. <laughs> okay. So I, I do consider myself a digital artist. Um, and so this is not actually out of camera. Um, there is some artistic flair added to it. Um, and mostly that was added for print competition, right? Um, so there's a lot of dodging and burning in there to bring out the details um, there's a little bit of extra feather paint, but the, just a, enough to keep it photorealistic, um, brightening up the dark side, uh, by opening up my shadows a little bit, um, painting the background to, to blend in with the already fog, foggy scene that was there. Um, yeah. And it just works. It oh oh yeah it works <laughs> so all right I normally I normally hit 
post-processing at the end, but but you alluded to some of what you did here, and I've got to ask. A, understand bringing up the, the shadows on the one side. Are you using curves for that, levels for that? Is that part of your dodging and burning process? Uh, both. So I'll use... I probably pulled it back into camera raw and opened up the shadows and then uh, just painted it in on that side. Okay. Um, yeah. What? But I, I mean, you can do it with levels or um, using the history brush for dodge and burn. So when you dodge and burn, because there, you know, some people use the dodge and burn tool in a Photoshop. Other people use like one of my favorites is the 50% gray layer in overlay mode right uh, do you do you have a preference for your dodging and burning because i just got to tell you this some of the, this is some good dodging and burning <laughs> like this is this is most people don't do this well i use the history brush mostly for my dodge and burn and you know it, ex I, explain it, that to me what so history brush would bring back something you've changed so you're changing something and then bringing it back or and using the brush in either multiply mode for burn or screen mode for dodge. So it's lightening the original image. Okay. Rather than adding darkness or uh, a, a plain lightness, I guess, if I'm explaining that correctly. So you take the original image, I'll, I'll throw in, you know, maybe a command J or something like that to duplicate the layer. You right. lighten or darken that layer as needed, and then use history to bring it slowly with a brush where you can change opacity to bring it back to a certain amount. Okay, I got you. Got you. Yeah. What about the color? It, bring, it just lightens and darkens the original color to keep that tone. So was this color there to your eye? Um, yeah, most of it. I mean, obviously I increased you know, the vibrance and um, I probably, if I remember right, painted in a little bit of the sunlight, warmed it up on the cool side of the bird on the very tips. Um, That's one of the strong points of this image. The super warm image left, the as it fades gently to cooler on the right, it's interesting you just said you warmed it because I, I imagine in my head, and correct me if I'm wrong, if it was too cool, it was it would be too drastic of a change across this short of an image? Mm-hmm. I would think. Interesting. Interesting. So you're looking through a 400 millimeter lens at 2.8 on a gimbal. When you shot it, are you framing this center composition? Do you know that you're going to want that that wingspan to be center composition. What are you What are you thinking as you're compositionally as you're looking through the lens? Well, this one was framed center, um, and the original was was not far from this crop. Obviously, the top and bottom um, came off a little bit. Um, you know, honestly, when I'm shooting, I'm not thinking, "Ooh, I'm going to shoot this one for print comp," or "Hey, I think I'll." shoot this one to submit to a magazine. <laughs> I just shoot because I enjoy it. And when I see, you know, the bird's foot come up and his head turn and the light skimming across his body, the wings got that perfect flare, you know, it, it just worked. And it was great timing for me and the bird. <laughs> well, then again, though, then again, leaving in camera, 
let's go to post because this is a very wide it's not panoramic but it's a wide crop right it's close to 169 probably mm -hmm. maybe even a little more but again i mentioned that the water line so the the one leg is in the water water is below the lower third the sky starts at the lower third the other leg is above that in the sky awesome the head is slightly above center line the top of the solid part of the wings is the top rule of third with feathers going up you know past that right uh when you're when you're working in post and you're going to make this crop are you thinking in those rules of center line horizontally and vertically rule of thirds for the top of the wings with a little break to that rule of thirds to kind of free it up in your mind and i mean are, are what are you thinking as you're as you're cropping this i do keep the the rules in mind however um the finished crop is just based on what i think is the most appealing um and i know just from hearing previous critiques that judges want room for you know room for the bird or animal whatever it is to be able to move right so i left a little extra room on the sides um not too cropped in at the top but it just was appealing to me so okay so it uh, would be appealing to the judges <laughs> oh it had to be oh my god man. uh okay so then i have to ask this your process of finding that crop that feels right to you are you, I know people who look at an image and go, yep, this is the crop. I know other people, not mentioning any names like myself, who try 15 different crops to, and waste a ton of time trying 15 different crops to find the one that works for them. Is this, is this something inherently in your brain or is this a process of, of long experimentation of let's try this one, let's try this one? Oh, I do think I try different crops through, you know, just to, to see if anything else, which one is the most appealing. It's just so well done. On this image, actually, let's leave this image. Just in general, what are your softwares of choice? Lightroom, Photoshop, I know you mentioned Camera Raw. What, what are you generally using? I do start in Lightroom, um, go to Photoshop. I use Topaz Labs occasionally, Nick Software. Is, is there a particular nick that you like? Um, no. In, in fact, I used to use nick quite a bit. Um, and then I've kind of uh, buzzed on over to Topaz since they have the, um, the grain. Uh, what is that called? The one that I'm not a Topaz user, but I'm listening intently. What is the it? The denoiser. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> They've yeah, really Topaz increased denoise. that here lately. So. Yeah, actually, I do have Topaz Denoise AI, which is an amazing. Yes, that's it. <laughs> scary piece. It's actually a scary piece of software. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've done I've done Denoise in different software programs and gone. Okay, it looks like it's been Denoise. It makes it yeah. soft. I have friends who won't use noise reduction because yeah. to them it's, you know, it just it softens the image. That's what it's doing. It's blurring it. Yeah. Uh, Topaz Denoise is <laughs> is the most amazing thing that it keeps all the detail. Yeah. Um, do you have any when you're out in the field? Are there any apps that help you that you rely on for either weather or sun location or anything like that? I do use Sunseeker. 
to see what time we got to get up in the morning. I'm not a morning person either. <laughs> so if I'm up early, I'm shooting wildlife or I'm sleeping. <laughs> so I do use Sunseeker um, and AccuWeather, just whatever's on my phone. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Last question about this image. I've been wondering this for from the moment I first saw it. And I love it, but it bothers me that I would not have thought of it. Because I, I now that I see it, it's like, how could... I, sh I should have thought of something like that on past images. The way you blended the sky down into the, it's not so much the water up into the sky, the sky and the clouds come down into the water and they actually cross the water line at points. Was there a reasoning in your mind that made you go, yeah, these two need to, these two need to be more one. Um, I knew they needed to, to blend naturally. Um, and not have like a hard water line to where the sky meets. Um, and then there was a little bit of um, fog coming off the water. So I just enhanced that quite a bit. And yeah, it just, it just wrapped around and looked pretty natural. So. So I, I want to go into that, that one comment a little deeper. Wh why? Why did you know how is a better way to word it? How did you know that a hard line water line was not going to be as good for this image? Because people don't think that way. Uh, to, you know, a lot of people that are, you know, more am amateur level photographers and learning. And yet that in and of itself elevates this to an entirely different level. You know, it's just more appealing to have the softness fade away than to have a harsh line that the eye maybe keeps going to that line rather than looking at the bird. It works so well. Just, again, Cheryl, this image, I wish you luck at the World Photographic Cup. Thank you. Because this image is stunning. Just, I, so I wish I, I was a judge in an image competition and this came up. Because <laughs> I'd get up and walk out and go, nobody, we don't need to see any other shots. <laughs> This is the, we're done, right? Um, let's switch gears. Okay. S speed round. I'm going to ask you some questions. Just answer them as fast as you can. Okay. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, within reason, obviously. Uh, what is your top bird photography tip? Uh, fast shutter speed. Okay. Biggest mistake you almost made or did make in doing photography? Ooh. Oh, probably not getting out enough. Oh, good one. That That's can't, a really can't good Can't take one. picture sitting on the couch. <laughs> Favorite composition rule, if any? Um, The golden spiral. Interesting choice. You're the <laughs> only one that I can think of that ever said that one, which I agree with. Okay. Do you, do you find yourself using it a lot? Uh, Yeah. Especially since I've started creating more painting type images um, in compositing. I'll put that golden spiral on there and kind of move things around accordingly. And and for those of you using Lightroom, when you do your crop tool and it comes up with a rule of thirds, if you hit the O key, you can change the crop overlay to different overlays, one of which is the golden spiral, Fibonacci yeah. spiral. And then you can even rotate the the crop uh overlay as well sure. uh, favorite drink 
non-alcoholic iced tea, alcoholic. I don't know. I have a lot of them. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Okay. Favorite album or song or artist? Uh, Bob Seger, Turn the Page. Wow. So I lived in Detroit for three years. And when I used to drive from California to Detroit, obviously Bob Seger, Detroit, Mm -hmm. I used to listen to that there and back uh, all the time. Is there any photographer that you know of, well-known, not well-known, doesn't matter, alive, not with us any longer. Is there a photographer you think needs more attention that more people should follow? I do. There's a a 22-year-old gentleman out of Jackson, Wyoming. His name is Isaac Spots. Okay. Fantastic photographer. Great personality. Um, We met him. He actually works in the uh, Wyoming Camera Outfitter store. I think I, I don't know, might have left home without a memory card or something and had to go get (laughs) get an extra one. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So other people are not the only ones. You left home with no memory card in your camera and had to go buy one on the fly. Yeah, well, and that so wasn't probably, your answer. That wasn't your uh, answer to the question of the biggest mistake. That you've made. Oh, I forgot. I forgot about it. <laughs> so I probably didn't have any, but I probably maybe filled them up or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, we find find ourselves in this camera store and. There's this amazing uh, wildlife all over the walls in there. And there's this, at the time he was 20, I think, when we we first met him. And um, I follow him on Instagram and he does the the greatest stories. He's so entertaining. Um, You should have him on your show. He would be fantastic. I, I will put a link to Isaac. What was it? Spots? Isaac Spots. Okay. I will put a link to Isaac's. Instagram or website, whichever I find mm-hmm. in the show notes at behindtheshot.tv. So again, everybody head over to behindtheshot.tv, scroll down. I will have links to Cheryl's photographer pick, you know, apps that she mentioned. Uh, and of course, I will have Cheryl's links as well, which we need to do really quick. So you're, you have a number of different websites and social media wise, it's kind of different on each platform. Those of you watching video, they have been popping up as lower thirds under Cheryl. But again, in the show notes at BehindTheShot.tv or on YouTube, down below the like button, head down there and you'll find uh, all of Cheryl's links there too. But let's run through them. Uh, Websites? Um, CherylMorePortraitStudio.com and CMoreImages.com, which that's (laughs) C-M-O-O-R-E, images.com. That's true. I never thought about that. People could misunderstand (laughs) that. And then Facebook? Uh, same Cheryl Moore portrait studio. And then, um, I have a Facebook group, uh, Cheryl Moore images of nature and And, Instagram. Um, same. Okay. Cheryl underscore more underscore nature underscore images on Instagram. Go follow. And seriously, again, to Michael, let me just say this to Michael. (laughs) I don't know if Michael's going to watch this video, but let me just say to Michael, Michael, dude, thank you, because recommending Cheryl to me introduced me to a world of photography that I will forever be grateful for. So 
to, to Michael Rhino, thank you so very, very much for, for recommending her. Uh, anything that you've got coming up people need to know about other than May 2nd and the, the championship, hopefully, in Italy? No, that's about it. I, too, would like to thank Michael Ryan, um, or Rhino, so sorry, Michael Rhino, for his support. It's been um, so encouraging to me as a photographer um, and the rest of the, the PPC members, I think. Um, I also have to put a little plug in for my husband. He, he's a, a biologist by education. So he's the original birder and who got me kind of interested in birds to begin with. And then, you know, he's my navigator finding the animals for me. And, uh, he's my biggest fan for sure. <laughs> it does. Does your husband have an Instagram? He does not. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, we can give him a plug and get some people following him too. Uh, so with that, Cheryl, thank you so much for doing this. It is so very much appreciated. I appreciate you so much for having me on, Steve. It's been a great time. Believe me, the pleasure is all mine. Everybody, make sure you head over to the website. It's behindtheshot.tv. Head down, find the uh, the blog post for this particular episode. All the show notes are there. Something I wrote about Cheryl is there too. Any links that we mentioned will be there. If you're on YouTube, head down below the like and subscribe button. Click them on the way down. Links are down there, but I don't have the full blog post there. For that, you do need to go to the website, which is behindtheshot.tv. To everybody, thanks so much for watching. Thanks for all the support. Make sure you join us next time as we take a look inside the mind of a great photographer by taking a closer look behind one of their shots. I'm Steve Brazel. We'll see you on the next show.